0: episode of texting is this i don't know 28 or something okay well the show started episode 28 or something
1: <laughs> look it up
0: <laughs> oh should we should we dispense with the uh, formal the formal opening
1: oh the the i thought you enjoyed doing the formal opening that was your that was your thing
0: i guess well not this week so a few people um a few people emailed and said, when, when are we going to do the next show? And well, I think it's about time.
1: That's good. All right, so you've been, uh, your, your sister finally went back to England, so now you're free, free to do, uh, do a show?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: how, was, how was the visit?
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. Showing, uh, showing English people around um, L.A. and uh, California is always nice. Especially
1: we since, since you don't even have never even been around <laughs> LA, California, you just pretty much spend all your time at home, right? <laughs> we went. So to, you're like, hey, this is cool.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Look at that, the ocean! Wow. Well, also, wow. also because I just I just started driving, you know, so I just <laughs> I just passed hilarious. my driving test.
1: I mean, did you drive in England at all?
0: Twenty years ago, I had a go.
1: You had a go. I was I, mean,
0: I was I drove a bit for twenty years ago. Yeah, I did. Like, um, I guess for a year about 20 years ago, I was, I was in a scenario where I, I actually hadn't passed the test, but my, my girlfriend had a driving license and, um, in England, you can drive as, as long as you've got someone who's passed their test in the car with you. So I just used to drive everywhere for a year.
1: Okay. Okay. But you didn't, other, other than that, you really didn't have much need for one since you were in London.
0: No. So did I tell you what my, my what my first car was? <clears throat> no, no. Audi TT. Yeah, no.
1: That's right, what, an an Audi TT or something?
0: Yeah, an Audi TT 2008, and it's such a bad idea for a first car. I've already put a huge scratch in the door. (laughs) Nice. How did that happen? I uh, was holding the keys when I um, opened the door, and for some strange reason I allowed one of the keys to act as leverage on the side of the door as I pulled the handle open, and it basically went and put a huge scratch in the side.
1: Yeah. But, you know, it's, <laughs> the first scratch is always the most painful when you get, like, a new car or something. And you're just, like, it's all pristine. And then you, you're you always worried about, you know, people scratching and stuff. And then after about the third or fourth scratch, you're like, I don't who cares, Whatever. It's, it's, like, it's like it's always good to get that first scratch out of the way. Well,
0: the yeah. main thing is I keep flipping driving into the curbs. What do you call them? Uh, sidewalks? I keep driving into the sidewalks and scraping up you the roofs. You drive rooms. into the sidewalk. Well, obviously by mistake. But when I'm parking, I keep going, like <laughs> Yeah, well, you like probably that. don't make
1: it all the way to the sidewalk. That's
0: just the curb. Oh, that's if the you're, curb. If
1: you're driving on the sidewalk, then you really should back off the cold driving thing. That <laughs> <laughs> would be my recommendation before you kill somebody.
0: So we went to Disneyland, uh, uh-huh. and that was basically like being on um, acid.
1: Oh, right. How'd you like it?
0: Yeah, it was good. All, the, all these big, fluffy people walking around.
1: Big, fluffy people. What does that mean?
0: You know, like the, the Mickey Mouses and the Goofies.
1: Oh, I see oh the mascots, the, the yeah. sort of
0: characters. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: I've never been to I've never been to Disneyland. I you know, we have three little kids, but they're still a little too young to even make it make an effort to do that and I know. I, I hear from a lot of people it's just really overpriced and there's a lot of waiting and it's just generally not worth it. <laughs> so I've kind of I don't know, I'm not too
0: excited about taking kids there. So at least until they're old. So Jason, it's the tenth of January, and I haven't got an email off you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, right, let's just get this out of the way. <laughs> what the hell All right. is yeah, going on? I know, I know. So my secret project has not been released yet, and here's kind of what happened. In um, you know, the last couple of weeks of um, of the year, I ha- end up having a, a ton of stuff I had to get done for two of my consult or three of my consulting projects. Yeah. And that coupled with the, the holidays, I thought I'd have more time to just, you know, hide away and, and work on it. But I, I ended up having no time to do that. I was spending a lot of time just, you know, visiting the in-laws or doing the Christmas stuff or doing the New Year's stuff. And then, um, Guyon, uh, he, he just sort of disappeared for like a week and a half. You know, Guyon is the one I work with on this project and he's, he lives in Norway now. And, uh, you know, usually all that I'll do is I'll get, like, a, a call on Google Talk, you know, r- you know, around one thirty, two o'clock during the weekdays. We'll work for, like, an hour uh, or so. And I just didn't get any calls. So I figured he was, you know, I wasn't going to call him because I figured he's probably busy or tired or whatever. And so he just kind of went MIA for, like, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, that's probably fine. You know, it's just, there's no point in burning it out at the end of the year. So um, I basically didn't work on it. For at least a couple of weeks, because of those reasons, and then, um, yeah, it's just it's just so a handful of things that need to be done. And I was, and I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what, I'm not going to stress myself out over this. I mean, I got enough stress with uh, my consulting projects, and I, you know, I'd well, I'd like to get this thing out as as soon as possible. I can't, um, you know, I can't manufacture time, and I, I don't want to. I just don't want to release something that just doesn't work at all. There's, there's
0: no point in that. Well, I have to say, a software developer missing a deadline. Now, that's not something I've
1: heard of. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like cause for excommunication or something. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, I was, you know, it's funny because a friend of mine um, who listens to the uh, podcast, um, uh, Phil, he he was actually my uh, partner my very first startup. And he was like, yeah, man. He's like, you made a mistake. You should never even have brought it up in the first place. <laughs> you know, That was your mistake, right? <laughs> He's like, don't talk about it. He's like, I think you even talked about that in one of your episodes about don't talk about what you're working on because it demotivates you. Which, anyway, I, I, that really didn't apply because talking about The Secret Project hasn't demotivated me or or, or made me feel like, oh, it's... You know, I've 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 reached some level of completion just by talking about it, but it does sort of, you know, put your uh, you know to the fire when uh, you may not necessarily want to be in that position. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I've said over and over again, release early, release early, all that stuff. But I I can't. It's just so. What's the uh, ETA now? You know, I'm just not going to do an ETA on it. Let's just say as soon as as soon as possible. You know, I. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't, I miss one deadline. I don't want to make another one <laughs> miss it. That's fine. Um, but I, I did, what I wanted to do is I wanted to, to work as, as I needed to for myself. For instance, because yeah. like I mentioned before. I mean, this is something that I really want and need to use. Um, and if it doesn't solve my problem yet, then, you know, really what's the point of saw of, of releasing it. I mean, if, when you did Tweet Miner, if it didn't do anything that you really needed to do sufficiently, I mean, it was just why would you have other people using it, right? Yeah, I mean, um, Tweet is was, was a simpler problem to solve, and it solved the simple, relatively simple problem or straightforward problem that you had, um, or at least enough of it that you could use it, and then you know, then it was able to uh, release it. Um, the, what I'm working on doesn't quite. Um, is it, there's, there's just a, a lot to it that has to be kind of um, all working together, wise. It's just uh, it's not complete enough to.
0: No, I understand. It's a it's a bit of a big picture project.
1: Yeah, and um, and I don't mean oh, we're gonna work on it for another year or anything like that. It's just that uh, you know, I, uh, you
0: know. I think it, it's uh, good to have a milestone. Personally, like what what you just said, that would worry me, um, because essentially you're leaving it open ended. I mean, I think it's better to say this is the date I'm gonna have it released, and then publicly be humiliated. And have that to happen multiple times <laughs> because the point is <laughs> right. you're going to be more likely to get it out the door one of those times. If it's just open-ended, then there really is never – there's no reason. There's nothing for you to do.
1: I wonder if that's true. Okay. I I, I mean I see your point, right? You know, you say oh, I'm going to have it done by accident so you work your butt off. And one of the things that is there's a couple things about that. Um, first of all, um, I don't like – I don't like – deadlines at cranking for deadlines it always just it always takes away the fun for me i mean i work pretty consistently regardless of whether i've had a deadline or not right. and i hate this whole like you know you kind of work it at 40 50 percent speed and then for like a week or two weeks or three weeks you just go nuts and you don't eat and you're sleep enough and you're just
0: working and it just sucks and but you did end, that for local bacon
1: i did i did that for periods of time and it sucked it wasn't fun right and i don't know if it, it i don't think it improved anything or got anything and sooner in the end, I think all it did is just made my life kind of suck for a period of time. And since I'm controlling my life, at least with regards to this project, you know, I don't want to make my life suck. I, I I don't believe in the this sort of mythology of of you know the the programmers who who work all you know all weekend and all night to get it done, and they're just slaving away and all this stuff, and then you burn them out. And I, I just think I think programming. You know, like a lot of things, it's more like a marathon than it is a sprint. And it's like, you know, if you want to run your best time in a marathon, you know, you don't sprint the third mile. Because then your fourth, fifth, and sixth miles are going to suck because you're, you blew yourself out. And, yeah. uh, and that's just the way it is. And, you know, and I think people who are external to the project, project managers, project sponsors, whoever, they like to pro- deadlines because it, gives, it helps them schedule them, their own work. Like, what do we need to get done? If you can get this done, if you can get your program work done by X date, then we can do this marketing or this fundraising or yeah, this but, design. Right? But, but if I don't have anyone working with, you know, I don't have to worry about other people scheduling anything.
0: But everything you're saying is assuming that meeting a deadline uh, is done through going faster. But there's other ways of meeting a deadline, such as doing less, basically. Cutting down the feature set.
1: That's true. Now, okay, so let's talk about that. Now, cutting down the feature set. Now, if... You cut down to the feature set to the point that it doesn't do enough to even solve any kind of problem, then what are you really solving? Let's, let's say I said, all right, well, if we cut it down to the bare minimum, then I'll release something in two days, and all I'll do is have a login system. I mean, what the hell does that do? You know, it doesn't do anything. You know, everybody's looking to go, okay, so I log into a blank page. They're like, yeah, well, it's my minimum viable product. You can log in. <laughs> like, Well, I hate it. You're like, oh, I guess nobody likes the project. There's no evidence anyone's going to use it. I should move on to something else, right? I mean, if we're going to take it to the limit, they go to the next step. Well, it does almost nothing. It's like, um, I, I, understand the, I, I understand and appreciate a lot of the uh, thinking behind the Minimal Viable Product and trying to get something out as soon as possible and, and, and not, um, you know, because the sooner you have real data, the better off you are in making decisions later. But if you release something that doesn't accomplish the task, then I don't really see how that's, how that's solving, it, uh, that's going to give you any information. If people hate something that doesn't work, that doesn't
0: it doesn't tell you anything. I mean, Well, Prezo, Prezo is a case in point. So it took you two years to get Prezo out the door. Now, what, how soon could you have released it if you were doing minimal viable product? And what would that have been with something like Prezo?
1: See, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I thought, I've thought a lot about this at different times, and I've changed my opinion back and forth. If I, if, 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 if I had some sort of external pressure, like this has to be done in six months, Period. You know, then I might not even take it on the project or okay. we, we might have just or or we might have just changed what it was. It wouldn't have been a replacement for PowerPoint on, on, a, on the web. Right. Because You couldn't do it. So I don't know. It would just been something
0: different, I guess. Um, but I mean, couldn't you have just built like PowerPoint is essentially split up into modules, right? It doesn't have to do the whole. I mean, PowerPoint didn't do everything it does today it started off in a version 1
1: that's true um uh, let me think well there were certain problems that were just weren't like you, you know what? sometimes you'll get to points and, you, and you'll, you'll 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 be working on something and they'll be like okay we have you know, half dozen things we need to work on. A couple of these, we don't even know how to solve, right? And sometimes you'll be aggressive and you'll just go after those deep dark areas and just like try and solve them early because if you can't solve them, you know, the project the project may not actually be solvable or, or, or doable in a, in a reasonable amount of time, right? right. Um, sometimes what you'll do is just say, you know, and I just, maybe we just don't have any good ideas. Let's just think about this later. And that's what we did a couple times because and I've, t- I've talked about this in a couple of past episodes or, or earlier episodes when we, we were talking about Prezone, and one of the things we did we built our own text editor, meaning that we didn't use content editable and and, and just kind of like um, try and improve the text editing built in the browser. We intercepted every mouse click and key key press.
0: You did the and, whole thing with with the DOM and with divs and basically yes, we we managed manually. everything
1: by intercepting all user activity and, um, you know. We tried that later because at first we thought, well, you know, this 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 text editing, when you come to resizing and trying to do bullet points, we just couldn't come up with a good solution. And, of course, the ultimate solution that we came up with was so extreme that... Um, you know, I think we didn't want to go there that early. Like, the, we, we, sh, you know, you, you, we weren't even thinking that you would have to go that far. Yeah. It wasn't until later where we had spent so much time into it that we just had to come up with a solution one way or another. And if it meant going to the mat and, and you come up with some crazy extreme solution, that we were going to do it.
0: Of course, with uh, HTML5 and Canvas, you'd be laughing, right? Oh, because you can start doing a lot of this Yeah, stuff, exactly. You know? The whole thing is just so controllable.
1: But, of course, html 05, I mean, that stuff is, is all really cool, but in terms of it being available to most people on most browsers, that's not going to be for a long time.
0: I suppose, the yeah, because the other point is, is you're basically pushing the curve, so you're doing it in that older technology.
1: Yeah, it had to work on IE6 and Firefox right. 1.5 and everything else, and so if it didn't, then it wasn't a solution, right? I mean, mm. um, it wasn't going to work at all, and... and um yeah, I mean, the advanced technologies are nice, but if, if people
0: don't have access to them, then you might as well use desktop software and maybe we'll install something. So you skillfully didn't answer my question, which was, <laughs> okay, to... how soon could you have released more, you know, if, if you went for a minimum viable feature set?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, maybe they're an answer because I don't really know. I mean, if you said it had, it had to have still done what it, you know, essentially been some sort of replacement for Freezo, I mean, we could have released something that would have kind of not worked very well maybe after uh, a year. When mm. the text editing, like the bullet points, like, you know, the only thing with HTML, like if you do bullet points and lists, yeah. the yeah. bullet points, whether you use, you know, um, whether you're a font size at 10 pixels or, you know, 36 pixels, the font, the bullet points are still the same size. Yeah. That looks like absolute garbage when you're actually looking at a presentation. You know, that's, you know, when you're doing like a, a rich e- text email and Gmail and it has bullet points that are kind of small. I mean, so here's
0: my point. So here's, here's what I'd say to you. So what if it looks like garbage? Because you could have released without that feature, it would have looked like garbage, but even though it looked like garbage, people would have had a viable way to do presentations on the web
1: maybe I mean but maybe it would just wouldn't have all worked well enough. it would have spent a our time trying to put out fires and stuff that was that just I don't know. Um, so let's get to the point of I mean, what i that's Because that's
0: functional, all right? It's functional. People could have, could have used just normal HTML bullet points, and they would have had a functional system. But, it wouldn't okay, have been pretty. They,
1: well, you're assuming that was the only problem. There were other problems, right, and right. there were bugs. So um, there were a number of other text editing bugs that just weren't solved and other things. And um, I don't know,
0: you know? I, hey, you, you could have even done presentations without bullet points, you know? You, you just put a text there, and people could have done a dash, like but to be honest mm-hmm. to, uh, here's here's my viable uh my minimum viable product for preso a blank page you can put text in text boxes on that blank page anywhere, and you can put a picture on the page and that to me is the minimum product. How long would that have taken to build? Oh well that would taken no time right month <laughs> so no, I don't know it's, so to me but, that would have been that would have been the minimum viable product
1: but okay, well let's let's okay so. You put out the same as a minimal Minimum viable product, and the whole point of put a Minimum viable product out there, one of the major reasons is to get feedback from real users, right? Yeah. If, nobody, if everybody thinks it sucks, and no, nobody that's, even... That's not the only reason. It's not giving you any, but it's not giving you any information. It's giving you bad information, because people, people are assuming that that's really what your answer is. Yeah, but you're, and,
0: bu- you're building a user base as well. Like, you're building a following. You're building uh, loyal, loyal people who want to help you build it up. Right. So, so you oh, so, maybe,
1: or then again, you also risk the chance everybody thinks it
0: sucks. Yeah, but of course, I mean, you always risk that chance. I mean, what I guess what I'm saying is, if you'd have released Prezo after a month, it may be a very different story to, to, to today. Plus, also during the time of developing it, people may have noticed something and something interesting, which could have been a really good business, something different to just being a new PowerPoint. And you may have gone on that tangent, like, um, like Jason Cohen did with Bear software. Right. I mean, that's, you know, maybe true. Um... So what, I guess what I'm saying to you is, I bet you any money, I know we can't talk about your secret app now, your secret project, but I bet you any money there's a similar scenario with your secret project.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, here's a couple things about it. <laughs> I feel it. like you know, I'm
0: being mean to you. Sorry. I apologize. No, well, no,
1: I know you, you, you want to press me on it. That's fine. I, yeah. You know, it's fine. I obviously I deserve to be pressed on it, but um, I, you know, here's the thing, you know, it's not like I want to solve any problem. I want to solve this problem for myself. Period. Right, right. Right. If nobody else uses it, it's like someone says, Hey Jason, you know, if you created some emailing app that did photos and stuff, it's like, I, you know, we'll pay you money. I said, I don't really care. So you're doing
0: it. it for you. You're, you're just doing something yeah. for you, and that's that's I, okay.
1: I think a lot of people will find it really powerful and yeah. useful. But I'm solving this for me, number okay. one. So okay. if nobody in the world cares about it, fine. You know, I don't don't you know that, that's I mean that's not optimal, but it's still okay, okay. because I'm building something that's going to make me way more prof uh, um productive. Right. Um. So yeah, I want to I want to solve this problem. Um. and and, and what I don't want to do is waste a bunch of time release something that's a, that's buggy as crap and in f- missing a lot of features. And everyone's like, yeah, Jay, well what you know, what the hell this doesn't even work. And so I spent all this time fielding emails and solving problems that would have been way easier to fix, but now it's way more expensive to fix these problems because I have to spend all this time emailing and communicating with people if I had, you know, just done it. You know? Yeah. It was obvious what I need to do. So I, I mean, I know what the basic problems are that need to be solved. Um, and I just want to f- get get my arms around those basic problems. Now it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be tricked out to nth degrees. I'm going to work on this for for two years and release it. You know, obviously my wife would like to see me release it, and you know, I know Guyon would rather not work on it for a huge amount of time before we <laughs> get it out there. Mm. But you know, it's like if uh, you know, we use some examples like you know Basecamp or something. I mean, you know, those those little products while they were simple, they, at least what they did were tight and they worked. Yeah, yeah. You know, they solved the A problem and what they were trying to do it worked well and it was complete. And I just don't want to release a buggy piece of crap. Um, I just don't see that's going to solve or help anything. Well, um, talking
0: about a buggy piece of crap, let's talk about TweetMiner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <sincere>. <laughs>
1: well, okay. Yeah. So I, I'd be curious how, uh, how things held up through the holidays. I mean, I imagine you probably had a big slowdown in, in,
0: in signups through the holidays because everybody experiences a big drop-off, right? Um. Actually, no it's kind of been it's it's been pretty consistent the sign ups between ten and twenty a day sometimes uh-huh. sometimes it peaks to forty um, so that's been relatively consistent, but I'll tell you what I haven't done anything on Tweetminer for I suppose about two to three weeks at this stage i'm feeling, right. I'm feeling kind of guilty, and I really do owe the the product uh, some upgrades and some new features but uh, on the other hand what what's great is that very few support requests have come through. Ah, uh, people are pretty happy with it. Um, the The sales are just gradually growing at about the same rate. it's It's a pretty slow uh, curve, but it's it's still growth. So what's happening is um, less people are buying the year in advance mm-hmm. and more people are taking the monthly, which is actually better for me. So basically, I'm getting a higher level of transactions uh, versus the funds coming in. But the good news is is that if that keeps on going, it's sort of like compound interest. Because mm-hmm. every month I'll have, you know, another maybe 10 or 20 customers paying a $10 a month. So in six months, right. it should be bringing in a bit of a decent revenue kind of thing.
1: What's your projection at the current rate now?
0: Um, well, it's still pulling in around about 1100 a month um, with just $10 transact. I guess... It's difficult to say actually. It's difficult to say because because I'm I'm imagining that compound interest thing happening but I haven't actually seen it with my own eyes. <laughs> right. So right. I, need, I need to give it a couple more months to make to make a determination. But with some of the new stuff that I'm going to add, I think that might may increase the sign up rates. So one of the things I'm going to do is like an auto friend adding system. That's my next task. Oh cool. So basically cool. people can type in the keywords that they, that they care about. So for example, for me it could be PHP. Uh uh, javascript and then it'll it'll go off and search search people who've mentioned that and basically follow them right with the hope that they'll follow you back kind of thing so it, right. it helps you build a list of really targeted people right'll do right and I think that's kind of an important feature that people would pay for
1: right well um so well I guess that's that's the one thing that's nice about where you are now, right you have um you have a ba- a solid feature set it seems like stu- it seems like it it's pretty much bug free for what it does and um but you're still picking up users so the whole leverage comes in it's like remember we we're talking about how many hours have you put in versus how much revenue and that your hourly rate was like eight bucks an hour or yeah, something. yeah 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 <laughs> well now you don't have to put in the same amount of time unless you really want to or this some features you want to get done or or something you know, and it just, that, that number just keeps going up, your hourly rate.
0: Well, uh, um, TweetMiner's super user, T R C is um, always sort of making suggestions about things that can be upgraded. So I think that there is definitely the need from the user base for new right. features. So it would be pretty silly of me to just sort of rest on my laurels and, and not keep upgrading it.
1: Right. No, I, you know, I mean, I'm not necessarily, obviously I'm not advocating that you do nothing or anything, but at least that's the power of, of building a, a product versus just consulting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually making money. You know, you have, as a month goes by and you really don't have a lot of time, it's still, you know, to work on it, you're still uh, able to make an income from it. Yeah. Whereas consulting, it's like, you know, how many hours in the day do you have, do you have to work on it? That's it.
0: I don't know whether I mentioned last show about putting in the video system, but that's been really helpful. That's put, oh, like video tutorials? Yeah, the video tutorials and making them really obvious and in-your-face has cut right. down on the amount of of. Email. I mean, basically, it's cut support requests to zero, essentially.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. And again, that's another example of that, right? Do it once,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> do a
1: good job, and then you don't have to do it over and over and over again?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, mean, that's very, sort very good. Of the,
1: that's sort of the secret of good software is that um, you, know, you figure out a problem that needs to be solved, you solve it in a, in a general enough way... And then you release it, and then it has leverage. It just works over and over and over again without costing any money. Yeah, you know. And same thing goes with your right support quest, whether it's you know uh, a FAQ or a help documentation or uh, anything like that. Did you ever create like a list, like um, when people would email you, you figure like, hey, eighty or ninety percent of these questions are redundant. Like I've I've answered the same question fifteen times already. Oh, right, and totally. occasionally you, Yeah, and total, and, and occasionally you're going to get the same, regardless of what you put on your website to help people. You're going to get those same emails sometimes. Do you have like any kind of mechanism where you can just cut and paste the previous answer?
0: Yeah, I just I store them in I store them in a folder, and then um, I I look in that folder and cut and paste them.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I I I I I haven't done that. Such you know, like I said, prezo, I get uh, I get a, a support request maybe you know, three or four a week. That's about it. Right. Um, And it's usually the same one, but I always forget to do that. And I always, I always type out the same couple of sentences or the same sentence over and over again. And I'm like, sometimes I, I have, uh, I've done it before where I created, I created a text file with a bunch of these answers, but I put that in a folder somewhere and I can't find it now. (laughs) Um,
0: the main yeah. one the main one is for me is because I made a change to the affiliate software because basically the affiliate software wasn't tracking things properly so I made my own tracker. So now right. when people when people hit the affiliate link they go through my tracker not the affiliate software and right. basically it doesn't insert any stats into the affiliate software so now people are seeing no one no stats so it looks like their links aren't working.
1: Right. Right.
0: So I just have to I have this long email explaining the affiliate tracking software wasn't working properly so I had to write my own one.
1: <laughs> right, right Um <laughs> a pain Now, did, I, I remember the of the Twitter lists. You were going to write something Or Twitter provided the Twitter list stuff
0: Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah So, so twi- Twitter lists, um, yeah, that's incorporated into TweetMiner So you, you now um, have full group functionality And it's, it's based on the back of Twitter lists But one of the right. things with, um, with Twitter lists Is the delete method So in other words, if you want to delete someone from a list Right. Want, to, want to remove them. It doesn't work um, and it's like it's, it's really strange seeing how you know basically posting to Twitter and saying look there is a bug with the API you can't delete people from the list and right. it's been I guess it's been a month in, in their bug tracking system more gradually more and more people are saying it and they're not kind of responding it they've only giving it a low priority and it's like right it's just kind of Kind of weird, when, when you're reliant on people in that kind of a way. So it seems like TweetMiner doesn't work, but it's just the Twitter API that doesn't work. I mean, how hard could it be to make a delete function work? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sort of surprising some of these these simple things that just don't work well on these bigger uh, websites, these bigger web applications, that they don't fix them. But I guess it's the kind of thing, if enough people complain about it, they just don't prioritize it as a big deal. So I've got, got a few links that we can, uh, things we can talk about. Yeah, cool. Go, go for it. Well, first thing, you know, you're talking about your problems that you had had with Rackspace. So I'm yeah. hosting, the, you know, my secret project on a web uh, web hosting company called uh, A2. Hosting.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: And for the first part, it's been really, really good. They have pretty, you know, I think they have good... Um, think the rates are pretty reasonable uh i have a virtual private server with them and they have a live live chat support which i really like because they usually are able to solve my problems if i have an issue quickly but one thing happened all of a sudden you know because i hadn't worked on it the project for like a week and a half or something and i tried to connect it via ftp and i couldn't connect right I'm like, what the hell's going on right and so i go to check and check and i go on i try and wait. A minute, did my some, my password, some screw change, and I'm trying to change everything, and then they go, "Oh, we'll just, you know, going on and change your password." Well, at, the end, at the end of the day, what it you know, happened was that my static IP got automatically put on a blacklist. Hmm. So it So wouldn't allow me to connect, and which was just really bizarre. And they didn't, for a long time. You know what I mean? I mean, like three or four days of going back and forth with them. They didn't know what was going on. And they could give me an answer, and I really, I really I just couldn't get any work done. It was That's really, annoying. really frustrating. Um, the only, in the end, I mean, I, I guess I think it was. Um, what was Gyal- their attitude? Were they
0: were they really looking for you? I mean, were they really looking into it for you, or were they just kind of oh, going? It's something on your end.
1: Kind of in the, they weren't blowing me off, but they weren't aggressively trying to solve it. They were kind of like, you know, they'd get back to me once a day and say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm able to, I'm able to connect. So just try again with these passwords. And you know, I'm like, "Dude." I've tried that username and password. I've tried every username and password. I've re- I've reset them. It doesn't allow me to connect. You know, I cannot connect. They all will just try a file Zilla. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I've tried with four different FTP clients. You know, it doesn't matter. That is match. kind of
0: similar to the Rackspace and Bit.ly problem that I had. Which basically yeah. just was that their system wasn't routing to bit.ly properly.
1: Yeah. And actually it was Guyon, uh, we were talking about it. and he because he was able to FTP, connect via FTP from his computer. I'm like, that's really strange. Yes. Can connect, but I can't. It has and, to be something uh, to do with
0: your, with your setup, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so when, we, I, I when I explained that to them, and then finally some more senior engineer got involved and went and looked at some FTP logs and realized what was going on. But that was sort of frustrating. and um, I guess everyone has some
0: headaches with their... Uh, Why did it blacklist your IP address in the first place? Like, what?
1: The guy, I asked that, you know, after he solved it, and and he said, well, he's like, most likely was like a certain number of failed uh, login attempts and it automatically blacklists you. Oh, right, right, right. So maybe I had like three or four times, I was like, what was my password? You know, but I can't imagine I did it. I don't remember doing it like, you know, like 10 times or something. I can't I don't even remember doing it more than a couple times. But you know, because with these uh, virtual private servers, you have like, I have like Hyper VM, which is sort of like the server management software. And then I have this console thing called like Cloxo, which allows you to, you know, gives you sort of a web control panel stuff. And so I have two different logins. And, you know, sometimes it's, I forget which one is which. Yeah. So I, I could have, but it was pretty oh, aggressive see. if like you, if you try two or three times and immediately blacklist you. <laughs> That's pretty aggressive. Yeah. But I don't know. So that was, uh, that was my, you know, uh, that was one thing that also slowed me down. Because yeah, because once, once once we were ready, Guy and I were ready to get rocking and rolling. This past week, I couldn't even log in. We couldn't even no. have to be so. We we were just, you know. And I and the way we, the way I work is, you know, I know I could like set up PHP and MySQL and all this stuff on my local system, but I just I find it just a pain. I just what I do is I have everything live, and I just oh
0: track. bloody hell! I can't believe you find it a pain to work local. Like, for me, that makes development like about. I would say at least twice as fast by working locally. Really? Yeah. I don't really notice that. Because right. you don't, don't have to do that. you don't have to FTP, so basically you just you just do control S and then instantly you just sort of alt tab to the to the page and refresh and then you see the changes. Whereas FTPing up every time, you've always got to wait that little lag. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine yeah, doing but that. I for... mean how
1: many times do you drag and drop it? Let's say you code for two hours. I mean how many times do you drag and drop? Maybe 15, 20 times.
0: No. Every time I every time I finish typing a line of code, I I do Control S. Okay. Well,
1: I don't I don't do that. I might code for <laughs> five or ten or fifteen
0: minutes before I actually say, "Okay, let's take a look at this." So, <laughs> wow. I, you know,
1: like, all right, I typed a letter. Let's see what it does now.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I see. So you're talking about doing doing testing. No, I I save after every line of code I've typed, but I test after every, um, basically. Every single time I've got something testable, so that probably would be about a line of code or or every two lines of code, yeah. So I'll, I'll write a line of code, and then underneath it, I'll I'll do a debug statement. I'll do Alt Tab. Um, yeah, no, refresh. I'm not nearly
1: that aggressive. I'm not really. I don't have a f- as fine a grained uh, e- eval. <laughs> like, what's I find a that gra- that makes
0: that's that's a set- that approach basically makes me get to the endpoint so much faster. Because, I mean, when I've coded alongside other programmers, I've been, I suppose it's going to sound egotistical but I'm, I'm pretty fast to get to the end result. And the reason is, is because I test every line. So when, when I don't actually ever get to a point where I've done 10 lines of code and then I hit a bug and I have to try and work out what's gone on with those 10 lines of code. I always know exactly what line of code I'm working on and what line of code there's an issue with.
1: Right. You know, I don't know. I mean, i, I, I like, I, I mean, look, I'm not advocating that you, that you code for three days and then try and run at that. You know, <laughs> I mean, I had done that in the past when I was a, a you know a, a, a new developer. There were times when I would do that. You know, you just code and code and code and code, <laughs> and you try and get stuff to run, and you'd end up debugging for a day and a half.
0: I think we're just diametrically opposite the way that we work, basically.
1: Yeah, well, look, I, you know, I'm clearly kind of. Uh, <laughs> I do things my own way. You're old school. I don't know. I just do things that work for me and have worked and make me productive. And I don't really much care what anyone else does or thinks, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, if, if I'm successful, then you know what's you know why do I change why would I change why, yeah, why would that's I spend true. time optimize something that works already you yeah know, just from software development things don't optimize stuff that works you know if I write software if I write software that works is robust and fast and maintainable then why the hell do I got to go and, and start doing it these other ways it's yeah just, yeah well oh, you got to change language and now you do test driven development and now you got to do this it's like dude you do that. <laughs> Do whatever you need to do i'll do what i need to do and i'll you know i'll see at the finish line it's kind of my attitude you know i don't really care i'm not gonna tell you how to code you know i'll just tell you what i do if you like what i do want you want to try it fine if you
0: want to do it i'm gonna try ahead. and tell you how to code but you're not going to change
1: oh i don't i don't <laughs> yeah you just talk to my wife <laughs> you know it's trying to change you can trying to change my mind on something is sort of a waste of time I don't know. Look, I mean, I, I, I occasionally adjust myself. I adapt to things, but when I, when I, if I, if I don't see that there's a significant um, improvement in, 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 in sort of efficiency or whatever, or effectiveness of something, I'm not just going to change just because it's the latest and greatest thing. Yeah. You know, I, I read and I check out things and I keep my eye on things, you know, I read hacker news on a daily basis. I mean, you can't be able to help but be exposed to, you know, every latest shiny new technology. So I, I I stumbled across this uh, interesting um, post on on startups I'm sure you've probably seen the site,
0: right? This is three word.
1: Yeah, three word. Oh, yeah, the the startup advice in exactly three words.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah,
1: that's a pretty. it's a pretty. I thought that was pretty cool because there's a lot of good ideas. Some are obvious, like watch your cash, pick founders carefully. You know, but I mean, all those, all of them are worth thinking about, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, like, for instance, picking founders carefully, a lot of times people get involved with their people just because they need someone, they want someone to work with, right? And that's not good enough reason. you. need to have somebody who complements your skill set and somebody who has sort of the same or very similar goals with what they want to achieve with, with doing the startup. Yeah. Um, and uh, somebody you like and, and want to work with. Because if it's somebody you don't really like very much, if you rub each other the wrong way, that's a problem. I mean, a, a good friend of mine who's done a couple startups, like he, he and another guy have been talking about doing a startup, like a tech, kind of a web tech startup, but neither of them are, are coders. <laughs> and oh. I kept telling him, I'm like, dude... I think that's a really bad idea. I mean you guys have similar similar Definitely. skill sets and you want to play the same role in a way I mean you, you it's better that you you each of you go do something separate and find find somebody technical to work with.
0: You know. I think that's very true. Um, I mean but it depends on what kind of I mean obviously if they didn't want to do a tech business then it might be okay.
1: Yeah no, but if they didn't want to do tech business fine, but they want to do a tech, you know, some kind of and they kept they would they would sit around and brainstorm a lot of these, these uh, web tech uh, ideas. Sometimes it'd be like iPhone type apps. Sometimes it'd be web stuff. And then he'd like email me. He's like, what do you think of this idea? What do you think of that idea? And I'm like, well, I think you guys. <laughs> so
0: then at the end of their meeting, they're like, okay, what a great idea. Right. Now let's. Uh, yeah. Hey, it. Jason,
1: do you think you can build this for us? I'm like, <laughs> no, but no time for that. You know, I mean, yeah, I said, you need to find someone like me in the sense who's, uh, who can write the code for you. you so what do you think some. of hire generalists early? I think that's right. That's number three on the list. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I think you, there's, too much, there's too much stuff going on. Um, everybody has to play too many different roles, and if, you're, and if people are unable to perform a number of different roles, then you're going to have trouble, I think. I mean, because it's like you can't have an accountant and a database guy and a front-end guy and a back-end guy and a user experience, like a customer support. Now you get to all of it, you know? Yeah. And, and you don't want to get, you know, too many people involved too early, but you have too many cooks in the kitchen and you spend too much time sitting around talking about what you're gonna do as opposed to doing something. I, I think two or three people is probably
0: about as much as you wanna Do you think invest you know, I mean, in culture is valuable for a startup? I mean what kind of culture can you really have with two people?
1: Yeah, that's number five. Yeah, number three was hire generalists early, number four was hire specialists later. Um, Which is in... the same thing,
0: basically. Right.
1: You know, when you get big enough, okay, we have to scale. We have ma- massive database issues. Okay, so brand some guy, with some database scaling guru, and that's all they do is do that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, or designer. Maybe you you have so much, you have so much stuff going on. You have enough money, you can hire someone. They spend all their time just designing and perfecting the web, the interface. Um, invest in culture. I don't know exactly sure what the hell that means.
0: What does it even mean? Well, I mean okay um, so culture is the kind of ethos of the company and the, the company law and the way that so for example if you look at Facebook you know we talk about Facebook we talk about the, the the way the company is the law of it the same with Google so for example Google part of the you know the Google company culture is is that they do no evil um, that you get. They've got these amazing kitchens and <laughs> you can get all your meals made for you. You've got twenty percent time. They, it
1: means that, they, that means that they really appreciate their developers. Well it's, it's they appreciate like, their it,
0: employees. It's their culture. I mean Microsoft always had a had the culture of you know, it was like one of the first companies where you could get free Coke kind of thing. You could get a can of what Coke.
1: What does that mean? I mean a culture that we but I mean we give you some free amenities.
0: No I mean culture I mean for example in IBM they probably don't have a room that you can go and play foosball during your breaks whereas in maybe they do but I'm just saying there's an example that you know maybe they don't but Google Google have special rooms they have creativity rooms different companies you know you create your company culture that's what culture means to me anyway.
1: I guess so. You know, it's um, it's 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 something we talked about. I think one of our very first episodes, which is like the kind of office space and the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I, I think creating an environment is a better way of describing it, at least in, to me. Maybe, maybe it's something different, but you know, you want to create a place where people want to be. Whether that's having you know foosball tables or stuff like that, or it's just creating a place that's kind of an open space or has a lot of natural light and has you know high quality.
0: Monitors and chairs, and you know
1: th- that kind of stuff, right but culture kind of place-
0: also means whether you come in, you know whether the company allows everyone to come in at eleven o'clock.
1: yeah, so it's behavioral as well, yeah. as yeah. expectations of behavior and things like that, as opposed to just like the environment, the space.
0: yeah, yeah, well, I think that is all... I think it's too high okay. up on the list on. myself
1: I think it is too. I'd put that yeah. further down, yeah, I think a lot of times it's just it's just going to be reflective of the people the founders. Yeah. Right. Like if, if one of your co-founders is kind of tight ass and prickly or something, well, then that's going to be reflected in the culture, you know, well, you know, the, the, major boss is kind of a tight ass or he's kind of a easily offended or he's really prickly. And then that's just going to be people. It's just going to be part of the environment, you know, because everybody has to worry about what this guy is going to do or think about
0: anything. Right. I guess it doesn't so, say anywhere on the page that this is an ordered list. It just says. Oh, maybe not. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah.
1: I, I don't. It doesn't say that. But yeah. you know, first, is, but one thing I want to say about it's like if you hire somebody who's really funny, right, and, and laid back and easygoing, but mm-hmm. productive, then that maybe then that will affect the culture. Mm. Okay. Then if somebody's like really serious and very, you know. I mean, whatever. I mean, if you want a serious, very serious culture, then hire very serious people, I guess, you know? I think, I, I think it just kind of becomes a, um, it's
0: just a reflection of the people. So number six, avoid tempting distractions. That's yeah. kind of interesting because, for example, if they'd done that in Odeo, then Twitter wouldn't exist.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the side project. <laughs> Well, I, I I think the side project thing is interesting because it can uh, it can kill things and it can open up to opportunities. You just never know. It's a risk, yeah. right? And with yeah. risk, there's reward. So in some cases, you have situations where the side project became the company, like Odeo and Twitter. And you have other situations. I think I've read in some of the y, I remember uh, what was it one of the early? I think it was Kiko, which was one of these calendaring. White it was a white combinator startup when the very first. Y Combinator groups, and I think with Kiko was the uh, calendaring app. And right. I think in the post-mortem, the, one of the founders said, yeah, we spent too much time distracted working on all those other, other ideas.
0: Okay. You know, so they I weren't think, happy uh, I, enough with their initial idea? Yeah, I could see how that could
1: easily happen. I mean, it just, it just probably depends. It's like a lot of things. It's like you could say there's this rule of thumb, but it really depends on how, on the context and how aggressively you pursue it or not. I mean, here's one thing I would say. The, the 20% rule is really interesting because, and I don't know, I can't remember if we've talked about this or not, but in artificial intelligence or, or more specifically machine learning, there's a concept called exploration versus exploitation. Actually, it specifically comes from a branch of um, machine learning called reinforcement learning. So you have some kind of little intelligent agent that's attempting to learn its environment right. and is trying to maximize some objective function, um, whether it's, uh, you know, let's just say it's it's some little ant that's crawling around some grid and is trying to find uh, food and the food is tends to be clustered or something. You know, some right. kind of ridiculous thing. Simple model problem. And, you know, how often is it just going to stay in the area that it's in versus maybe spend some time going off and trying other things, trying other options? And if... You spend all your time like, hey, I'm going to do, I found out that this works, so I'm always only going to do this, right? That's just exploitation, but it's not really learning, right? It figures one thing that works, and it doesn't improve after that. Um, Or if you're exploiting all the time, I mean, exploring all the time means you never settle on something that works. You're continually trying new things. So we can even talk about writing code, right? It's like you never settle on one programming language and one development environment you're building something, you spend all your time trying out a new, the latest cool new compiler or scripting language or database, right? Yeah, that would be a big problem. Or with something we were talking about me is like, okay, well, you never, if you just, you're still programming in COBOL. <laughs> right. You know, it's like you never experiment with new technology and say, hey, you know what, this actually is, is, is a much better solution. So that whole exploration versus exploitation um, heuristic, I think, plays well it makes a lot of sense outside of just machine learning, just in, in, in life in general. It's like you just spend, you know, something like that, 80% of your time just, just really exploiting what you know works, you know. But then mm. occasionally you got to be trying new stuff, you know. I don't, I don't care what it is, whether – and, if you, and if, if you don't, if you don't spend any time exploring – that's kind of like old, older people always get set in their ways. They don't learn anything new. They, don't, they stop improving. They just kind you of – You started using
0: – was it Git or Mercurial recently?
1: Yeah, it was well, Git was the one that was picked for local bacon. By I mean, we kind of talked about. it. Did you it start using I, it yet? I actually haven't used it. I haven't even.
0: Oh, have I you? Haven't. Have you still not started using version control? Uh, I have system.
1: I haven't because I haven't. I haven't. In okay. my case, I haven't needed to. as projects I work on, it's just me, so okay. I just have like backup directory. I copy things to on a backup drive.
0: Don't don't say and that. I do, don't, I do that don't every, say it out loud because people. Well, are I don't making,
1: care. I do it every. I do it once a day or whatever. Okay. A couple times a day if I'm if I'm doing make some aggressive changes. If anyone
0: but, is listening to this and uh, hearing Jason say this for the first time, go back a, go back a few episodes. Uh, I think maybe ten episodes, and you'll hear a whole big discussion about this. So we've already covered this ground. There's no point going over it again.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So um, yeah, if you, if you work with multiple people, you really need version control. If you work by yourself you know i think it's kind of a push you know if you want to use it use it if you don't you can use backup directories and you know
0: so well i know i was just thinking because i wondered if that was something that you'd started doing that was your 20% have you have you done any 20% things recently
1: okay things that i've been experimenting with let me think you know trying to think see that's one of the problems with i have so many consulting projects that i haven't had as much time to play experiment um, I guess in some sense you could say my secret project is, is a 20%, right? It's a side project. But it's less about a technology, it's just a, it's, it's a project, right? It's almost like it's a business. A business. It's along the axis of business as opposed to technology,
0: right? I told you I started using co- uh, CodeIgniter, did I?
1: Yeah, you told me about that.
0: Yep. Yeah, so that, I guess that would be 20%. I,
1: I, would, I, you know, I read about stuff constantly. I was reading a lot about MongoDB. Have you read about Mongo?
0: Not too much, no.
1: It's really kind of cool. It looks pretty slick. What I was thinking about doing is doing a um, just sort of a test project in it, see if you could build something like uh, I don't know Flickr. I think because I'd I'd read an article. I read an article where they they mentioned that one of the uh, founders or something or the developers of MongoDB at some conference gave a big presentation where they built Flickr. Or a Flickr clone on top of MongoDB. Like, how would you do? Because just to show you, like, because MongoDB is one of these sort of key-value pair. Yeah. Key, I'm sorry, key-value databases as opposed to a relational.
0: Yeah.
1: Database, and it has all these advantages in speed and and and, um, and things. But um, the, the you know the core cool question is okay. Well, you know, can it do these other things that I'm used to a database being able to do?
0: Yeah, like you know? paging through result sets, basically.
1: Sure, you know, anything like that. And they do a lot of things like setting up, you know, the way you set up indexes and things like that. Um, it looked really cool. I, I, you know, I read a few articles on it and page through one of these online presentations to get a sense of it. But it's like anything until you actually try and build something with it, you don't really, you, you, just, you just familiarize yourself with it, but you don't really learn much. But so that's a long answer. short answer is, have I played with any new technologies in the last few months? Uh, not too much. I've been building stuff, but I think that's another—that's an argument for like not getting yourself too bogged down with too many projects. Because then you can't explore enough. You can't say, "Well, Saturday, I'm just going to go and build a, a you know some project with Mongo, for instance." You know, like I just saw—I was just well, it was uh, just a few minutes ago. I was looking at there's some new on. Um, I guess it popped up on Hacker News. It was like a a cool new um, let's see uh, programming language called. Annie and Anik as a compiler, and it's supposed to be faster than C and, you know, all this really cool stuff. That'd be fun to play with, you know? But it's like, if you're too busy, you have too many obligations. You're, I mean, how do you make time for
0: it? I just, I wouldn't see any point in playing with that. For, I mean, for me, like, I want to build, I want to build. You're building
1: web stuff. This isn't a web stuff. And products,
0: you know, I don't really, I'm not too pushed about a new compiler or something like that.
1: Well, yeah, it's just the whole thing is like, what are you trying to optimize? So by learning new something, are you trying to create something, are you trying to learn a technology because it's going to make your life, you more, make you more efficient in doing something that you do? And if you don't create system level code, what the hell do you need us well, something like that, right? Yeah. So anyway, all right, let's go back to the list. Um, uh, support customers ma- maniacally. I think that you know, makes a lot of sense. We've talked about that. Um, avoid business plans. We just talked about that last week. Yeah, hell yeah, avoid business plans. <laughs> that's a waste of time. I think business <laughs> plans are especially for like... I think in the world of where we can build products you know, on the order of uh, months, if not weeks, um, the amount of time... That's faster than, than, than creating a business plan. You know, but sometimes it takes weeks, if not months, to write a business plan. Yeah. And if you're a business person, right, you can't actually build anything yourself, then you have to go around convincing other people to work with you or to implement your idea. And you can't express it in codes, so you have to express it in in... in you know, documents of, just of text that yeah. you either express it to VCs or angels to give you money, or at the very least, it's something you can show to potential co founders. Say, here's my idea. Will you build this with me? You know, but if you're a developer, it's like, you know, skip the foreplay, man. Just sit down and write something and build it. I mean, just sit down and build something.
0: Yeah. It's like, I, th- I think with everything, the truth lies in the middle. I mean, if you just start randomly coding stuff without any kind of market research, without any kind of discussion, you're probably going to end up coding a bunch of crap. I mean, it's worth at least because a a business plan exists of a number of things, right? And one of those components is the market research. And I think that component's pretty important.
1: Do you think Twitter and, did any market? Do you think Twitter was market research?
0: Flickr? was a market research. Yeah, I think so. They just so. started
1: building something,
0: you know? I think that they did, they did have market research because in-house they based that they, they, they built it because they are reaching their own scratch. So that's, that's their market research. They wanted a tool that they could basically update each other on something really quickly that, that they could. Yeah, of...
1: but that's, yeah, but that's not doing market research and writing a, a, a business plan.
0: With yeah, a bunch but it's of... basic market re. I mean, what, at the end of the day, what is market research? It's, it's asking people, seeing if people want something. Right?
1: Well, I mean, that's anything then, right? I want to build something because I have a problem, so you start building something. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what anyone would do. Hey, I want an iPhone app that allows me to do X, Y, and Z. I've talked to a few friends. They think it's cool. I'm going to build it. I mean, how's that any more, any less market research than what they did with Twitter?
0: Well, because sometimes you just build stuff without asking anyone. That's right. Some techies do, and there's zero market research. And then you find out that you've spent like, you know, a couple of months building this, and you show it to some people, and they say, well, that's crap. We don't need it.
1: Yeah, well and a lot of times you can do a business plan and then and then write and then build and then you convince a bunch of people and you write something and it's crap. I, I think it's just wasted time. I think you should spend minimal amount of time on the market research and this. I mean, yeah, I don't mean don't spend a few days Because anytime you have an idea in your head, you're gonna be poking around the web just seeing if there's anything available, just seeing what's out there. And if there's nothing that you really like or or really does anything in what you think you wanna do, then just go build a simple version of it.
0: You know what would be good would be a tool that you could sort of tell it what your idea was, and it went out and found the competition
1: <laughs> Just the, the the intelligent agent your intelligent assistant
0: yeah, basically
1: yeah. get back to you in about twenty years, fifty
0: years no, you could that. do that with with uh, google sets you could give you could like give it ten or twenty decent keywords that sum up your your product, your project, run that through Google sets, go off and search the web, compile a. A list of links.
1: You could do something like Mechanical Turk or Mahalo or something. Yeah, that's right? true, Get yeah. People to go out and do
0: some research for you. And, that, would be the, that would be the good thing to do. You know?
1: Um, all right, let's go a few more of these. Avoid business plans, write a blog. Okay, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that too. Like, is it the amount of hours that you spend? Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, interesting um,
0: issue. Oh, okay? not this again.
1: No, we won't go too into it, but you write a blog, <laughs> right? So yeah. how much time does it take to write a blog? How many hours do you spend? on this blog, so that you have an audience that is meaningful. And it was kind of interesting, because I listened to an, uh, an interview the other day, with the uh, Mixergy, the guy, uh, Andrew Warner, does Mixergy interviews, and he interviewed uh, Wufu. And I actually met Kevin Hale, who was the one of the co-founders. He's the designer, and he was the guy who was interviewed. I met him at Office 2.0 conference in back in 2006, before, right when they were just releasing Wufu. Right. And one of the things they said about it was... Um, you know, that they had gone, I think with they being like a couple of the guys who ended up being co-founding woofu they were kind of consultants or they were individual. They just worked different jobs. They were just friends. And they went to some, one of these sort of getting real conferences or something. I think it was put on by 37 Signals. They're like, hey man, we could do this. And so they spent a bunch of this time building up a, um, a, a, uh, a website called um, Particle Tree. It was kind of like a tutorials for designers, web developers kind of thing. And they they ended up building a pretty... They put a lot of effort for a good year or more into into writing all this stuff and building up an audience. But one thing he said was interesting is that later on in the conversation, he said, yeah, well, when we released Wufoo, what turns out is that their conversion ratio from their beta users, which a lot of people who were ultimately being the people who read their blog, was crap just like how you had spent all this time building up. Uh, I mean, you said, I'm not sure you spent this time, but you uh, wrote a couple articles, or at least one article for Hacker News, got a ton of traffic, nothing. It, it, the, the, gar- the traffic was garbage as far as TweetMiner was concerned. It's a complete waste <laughs> of time for them, right? Yeah. So all this time that you spend blogging and trying to get those attention, they're not the same people who are going to be your users. So I'm just wondering, you know... <sighs> The, the, the effort building this audience of people that are it's, it's sort of meaningless towards what you're doing, towards user base conversion. I, I don't know. I wonder about that. I wonder if it's, if it's a really inefficient use of your time.
0: Okay, type, spend- t- type into Google PHP and working with databases. Is uh, your, your stuff going to come up? So, yeah, okay. PHP and working with databases. So the first one there is PHP and working with databases for lazy sods. So this is something I wrote back in 2002. So that's okay. eight, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and um, basically, based on this article, people have found EasySQL for the last eight years, and yeah. that's how come EasySQL is used on millions of websites today because of that one thing, that one day that I wrote this eight years ago. And it's so you con- wrote and it- this article for Database Journal? No, I wrote I wrote the article on my on. I can't remember where it was. I read it on a. I posted it to a couple of places. So I wrote the article. I posted it to a couple of sites like this, and okay. as a result, I've had huge amounts of work over the years. People, you know, people hunt me down and offer me work, and um, it was okay, just, well, it was just like an it was trying, just if, if, if you're trying to, to
1: create, if you're trying to become a consultant, or you're trying to, you know, the question is how. I mean, what are we talking about doing? Are we talking about just getting general brown awareness that people know who you are and uh, want to have you talk at conferences or want to hire you as a consultant? We're we talking about people who are going to become um, users of your product. And that's really what we're talking about here. If you're trying to create some kind of product, you're trying to create a The reason they're talking about create a blog is to bring users to your product. But if those users, that you're the audience that you're building, don't convert at all, then it's a complete waste of time. Well, that's,
0: that's my fault for writing the wrong thing and posting it to the wrong audience. So I've been writing for Hacker News because I kind of slightly understand those people because they're techies. But at the end of the day, those techies aren't the aren't the target audience for TweetMiner. If I'd spent the time to write blogs aimed at the target audience for TweetMiner, it would have been very useful and very good. It's just I don't exactly know what to write or how to connect to them. But as it so happens, I've, uh, via Twitter, I've connected with people who like TweetMiner. And I've asked them to write blogs, and they have. And then that's dr- driven a lot of traffic to TweetMiner. So... I just don't think you can say that it's a waste of time.
1: Okay, so right it's not blocks. a waste of time. But what you do what you do need to do is you have to be very careful of what target. audience you're building.
0: Yeah, you've got to target it.
1: If you're not building the right audience, you're wasting your time.
0: Exactly. That that would definitely be true. So
1: at least in regards to finding users for your product, right? You might be building an audience that can create a huge blog audience and you can have Google ads and make money that way or whatever and become the next coding horror or something, but that's not what we're talking about.
0: I mean um, the base camp guys, what uh, what's what is it what's the number signals? Is it 37? thirty-seven? Thirty-seven signals. Yeah, thirty-seven <laughs> signals, right? <It's> Fifteen signals. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 they're, they're getting more efficient. <laughs> no, I mean those those guys. I mean, the audience that they write for is a Hacker News audience. Everything that they do is for you know a tech audience, basically, and all of their products are a hundred percent geared towards tech guys to help make tech guys' life easier. You know, so that's yeah, very I, well, talked sort you? of. I
1: mean, they're not really writing for tech. They're writing more sort of um, uh, like. St- I don't know. Design startups, business, experience stuff.
0: business startups, but but anyway, the thing is, is it's it's very correctly targeted at their audience, and it works fantastically for them, and that's the reason why they make millions, right? Because yeah. at, oh. you know, at the end of the day, that PR is is priceless. It's like free advertising. It it really really works well for you. That's my right. opinion, anyway.
1: Okay. So write a so it really needs four words. It's write a focused blog or write a relevant yeah. blog. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Never fudge numbers. Okay, that goes without saying. Don't lie. <laughs> Encourage diverse thinking. Okay. Guard your time. That's the kind of thing about avoid distractions. And I don't think that's true. And that's that's sort of one thing I was saying earlier when you were asking, well, why you know why not release them early? It's like you got to guard your time because you, you can quickly get all your time eaten up with customer support if you release yeah. something that's. You know, it's like, okay, now instead of spending all, 100% of my time building the product, which is not finished yet, I'm spending 60% of it supporting people for stuff that doesn't work because I didn't get a chance to finish it. And that's one of the reasons I've held off, like guard, guarding my time a little bit. Okay, defer renting space. Okay, so work out of your home. I agree. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty important. Can I just it, say it, the, it,
0: the most important three words aren't actually on there.
1: What is what? Just do it. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> That's it. That's good. <laughs> just do it. I would say, just do it. Don't give up. Uh, the guard. Okay. Yeah, they're talking about in the in the interview with the Uwoofu uh, interview. Um, got to talk about. They're still, like, there still there's like there's seven of them now. Seven.
0: What's that Tell me what work, Wufu work, is. Work, What's Woofoo?
1: They have a web-based uh, form. You can create forms on the web. They're, okay. They're, they're, they, they didn't. They, the only funding they took was from. Um, why? Uh, Y-C, Why? Combinator—they didn't take oh. any VC funding. They're, they're fully. Oh no, no, they did take a hundred thousand from Paul Graham. A second round from Paul Graham and Paul
0: Bouchelet or, Bouchet or um, well, the guy. Do they have a friend. successful company? I mean, what's the deal with them?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it supports. Uh, it, it, it easily supports seven full-time people
0: now. HTML for uh, HTML form builder, free contact forms and online surveys. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So they all still work at home they're all individual homes. They once a week, they get together and and meet at someone's house to hang out and have kind of a just informal meeting about whatever's going on. Hmm. So I agree. I don't think you need to be in the same space, especially when you're at that size. Um, It's probably less fun than going to a a room and hanging out with your buddies, (laughs) but it's probably a better use of uh, money. Get enough sleep. Ah, that's something I talk, I've definitely talked, we've we've definitely talked about that. Yeah. yeah, the whole, you know, working your butt off and just working all night and keeping career erratic schedules. I think this works against you in the long run. Delay raising capital. Yes. Because the more, the more you can reduce the risk, the more you have done, the more you reduce the risk, right?
0: The better value you get. The, the better, better value. Yeah. You get money at a, at a much lower equity stake.
1: That's right. You have to give away less equity to get capital. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Because you know, if you come on, we just have business plan, which you know probably never works anymore. You know, they're gonna. There's so much risk, can you execute. Is there all this technology risk, is this market risk, all this kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: decide with data. That number seventeen. Decide with data. That is very like underestimated on on uh, anyone's list. I think it's so yeah. important to to have a look at the data, have a look at the statistics. What are people doing, and then make your business decisions off that.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. So a lot of A-B testing of different times, using real data. Improve um, product daily, right? Yeah. So iterations, absolutely. Recognize revenue consistently. So, yeah, I, I guess it's, you know, constantly... revenue Recognize revenue consistently. Are they talking from an accounting perspective? Like... Um, like things like... You're talking about you have people... Um, yeah, I think what they mean by this is not not just like, you know, weekly take a look at what your revenue statements are are, are, are daily, which a lot of startups do is like every day. day like, okay, how many transactions do we have? how many, What's our revenue? Um, that's important. Keep a real real close eye on that. But the other thing is, I think what they mean from a recognized revenue consistently, they I mean that from a sort of a, a, a formal accounting perspective. And I don't know very much about accounting, but I I think what they mean is that you like for instance with TweetMiner, how some people pay for a year upfront right. and some yeah. people pay for a month. Well, yeah. you you have to look at those probably differently, right? Because yeah. you have to sort of amortize that out and say, well, I can only recognize a month of it now, or something like that. I like I said, I don't know anything about accounting, so I'm sure some people are listening, wincing, going, "That's not right, Jason." So <laughs>
0: that's start. Prob- well, start number twenty. Start charging early. That's obviously. Start
1: charging one. early. Yeah. That's, well, that's the big miner thing, right, uh, Lesson, right? You start this charging should, early? Yeah.
0: This, this should say release your software. What Something. do you mean? Oh, it no. does not on there? Well, yeah.
1: I think they, they said that earlier. Wasn't they release early? You
0: yeah. Said that? Something um, that yeah, you so need to... Yeah, so start charging
1: early. Reward early adopters. Yeah, that was an interesting thing in the interview with Wufoo. They said that they gave like this half... Fifty percent lifetime discount to all their beta users, and there was still almost no conversions.
0: <laughs> wow,
1: <laughs> that was funny. I mean, it's like the you know, it's like the TechCrunch you know traffic. It's just worthless traffic. It's right. meaningless. Um, it's just people are looking around with some shiny new thing. It, not. They don't really have a problem that this thing solves. They just. Well, want some people
0: literally just get a kick out of trying out beta stuff. You know, like that's that's the only phase they they like.
1: Yeah, no, there's no problem with that, I guess. Um, all right, so let's go through a few more of these. Uh, Search or reorder litter, sell something today. Okay, that. Say no often. That's L37 signals. It's like you define, you kind of define your product with no, not with yes, I guess. Right, we, where our product doesn't do everything. It just does these very specific Except
0: things. Except imperfect data. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, I guess we all have to deal with that, right? You're not going to know anything for sure. Your data is going to be...
0: Are they basically saying, when you set up registration forms and sign-up forms, etc., etc., just make it easy for people to join the site and get in, don't put error messages and don't sort of stop them from joining?
1: Um, I want to ask you a question. Okay. Well, how, you know, your other, your secret project, your project that you're attempting to get VC funding for, I mean, what's the status of that with that?
0: Well, um, the long and the short of it is, is a lot of VCs have said that they're interested, but given the market, it's too early. They need to see some traction. They need to see it exist. So basically they need to see it in the state that TweetMine is in. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I guess that's not, not a big surprise. I mean, we we talked about this, I think, a couple of shows ago. Yeah. That it's 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 so much easier nowadays to remove that technology risk and to demonstrate or at least some kind of traction. You can get something simple up and get some users and maybe even get some paying users without having to spend, you know, a boatload of money. Um, that I guess VCs are saying to themselves, well, why should we invest in... Uh, startups that have even more risk and we
0: don't have to it's kind of similar to your secret project as well in the sense that it needs a lot to exist before it's kind of useful yeah yeah it's um
1: that's true so are you guys so what's your status with it are you going to just
0: well we've we've got a couple of different um angles uh one is that we're going to maybe go for a much smaller ask for 250000 and just get maybe me and another guy working okay. on it for a year. Right. <laughs> that would be one approach uh, to build it. Another approach uh, is that we're just going to start up a web development agency and just get loads okay. of work and try and throw off some spare cash and then pay people to build it at the same time as uh, building other people's websites.
1: Which is sort of what you were doing before.
0: Well, that's basically what I'm doing with TweetMiner. It's just I guess I'm gonna I would be under that scenario upscaling the website. So uh, up, sorry, up, upscaling the web consultancy. So probably something like the guys at Pivotal Tracker, the way that they work. You know, they, they do a lot of work for external companies, but then they also have that side project of Pivotal Tracker. And I guess it's like the 37 Signals guys I- as well.
1: Okay, if if that's the case, um, do you really need to raise money, or can you just do what you're doing and try and?
0: No, I wouldn't. Build? I wouldn't need to raise money. Then, then I could. I could completely bootstrap. But there is like a a buffer point where to take on all that extra work. I've got lots of work being offered to me, but the issue is, is I don't have a team. Right.
1: <laughs> so, so you I, decide whether you want to spend the time building a team.
0: Yeah, basically building a team and also. I would need at least some kind of buffer cash because people want the work, but want to commission the work, but they don't pay you up front. But the team wants to be paid. Right, right. So I guess I would need to find probably like 50 to 100 grand buffer. Well, I mean, I guess
1: you could. I mean, you can find people that you can outsource work to who are also fellow consultants, that type of thing, right? You bring in the majority of the work you keep a percentage of it and you pay
0: them a certain hourly rate for... Well, what what do you think about that? The problem with that is, is if I get them working on my secret project, then they know all about it. Is that a problem?
1: I don't know. You know, I think that's everybody's worries is that people are going to steal your idea. I mean, it's one thing to not want to go out and, and tell the whole world what you're working on before you release. It's another thing to not want to tell three or four people what you're working on. You know, I think that's probably... I mean, I've told, you know at least a dozen or two dozen people I'm working on. I mean, anybody who's a friend of mine who has any interest, in, any interest in this space or any knowledge of it, I've talked to them, but
0: I don't care about that. Yeah, but this scenario would be I would be hiring people over the Internet who would be building the tool with me. They'd have the entirety of the source code. So they, yeah, they couldn't just steal the idea. Them, they could steal everything.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, again, it's like, first of all, they can, um, you can have them sign, uh, you know, whatever, nine... NDAs and that kind of stuff. and not, you know, the, the, it's, it's too easy to sue them for uh, theft of IP, especially if you just have them sign a simple legal document in that regards. I mean, they're not going to want to. There's too many other things you can do. I mean, because even if they're working on this stuff, um, it's still this unproven idea. It might sound like a good idea, but there are a million ideas. I mean, why would they just try and steal an unproven idea with the risk of being sued for doing so? I guess. I don't know. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a huge risk. I mean, I guess the big question is, it's just about the effort involved in, in, um, trying to pull in a lot more, a lot more work and then finding people and sort of facilitating all of that. It's a lot more overhead of the management stuff and, and sales stuff than what you have to do now. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, uh the reason why that's an option is just because it's something that I know how to do and something that I know I could turn over a decent chunk of change doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the one good thing about that, right, is that it's real money. I mean, you're actually running a real business. I mean, yeah. just raising money isn't necessarily a real business. It's just put, it's sort of punting on that. It's like, well, we don't really know how to make money right now, or we can't make money right now. So we're just going to ask for somebody to give us some money until we figure out how to make money. But if you're consulting, you're making money right now.
0: But it's sort of, uh, if you If you go back to our list, um, one of them said, "Number six, avoid tempting distractions. so right. it's a bit it's a little bit going in that direction if basically it's a web consultancy, and the whole point of that web consultancy is to build something completely different. So it's like a little bit at cross purposes in in one way of looking at it.
1: Well, what about just sticking with um Miner for for the time being for, say the next six to twelve months? As your project, so do what you're doing. And then as you start to build up some uh, revenue momentum in that space, then you could throw off some cash to work on this other project.
0: Yeah, that, that is a possibility. But don't forget that it's me and, I mean, me and another business um, guy who, okay. who is quite, I guess, high-level business guy. And, you know, he's used to earning a decent, a decent chunk of change himself. And mm-hmm. he's sort of in partnership with me. On that secret project, right? So, Tweet minor would probably throw off enough for me, but I don't know if it would throw off enough for him and me, when, right? And then to get some other developers,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it sounds complicated. <laughs> you know, <a> Tweet Miner, <laughs> to be honest, it's usually the, it's still they say that there's a there's a sort of rule of thumb:
0: simple wins. Well, your <laughs> think, one's complicated. I mean, why? No, why but can't I mean, I in a your life,
1: like right now, yeah. right? In your life, what's working? Tweet Miner consulting is working. You're yeah. paying your bills, and you have this thing that's growing. You can say the same I'd, for you. Well, no, I'm not working. I mean, I'm consulting, but I'm not working on two or three pro- I mean, two or three external projects. I'm just saying that right. for you, if you're going to work on a side project or something other than just consulting, you just say, I, I mean, I would just bet that that's what's going to end up working for you. Right. If I had to bet externally, not, not giving you advice on one thing to want to do one thing versus the other if i had just betting with a third party what i think is going to end up working for you i think it's going to be tweet minor and consulting just because it's, it's working already you know <laughs> that's what's working it's not bet, complicated yeah. it doesn't yeah. have to raise money and get all these other people involved it's just real straightforward it's just kind of working you know it's just a matter of just continuing to put more energy and time into it to scale it yeah um but it'll be interesting to see what happens so um you know, I, uh, I saw, there's an interesting, you know, we always, sometimes we talk about productivity stuff. There was a, um, a blog post called Booster Productivity with Hemingway's Hack. Hmm. And it's something that I think I even mentioned uh, in a previous podcast about uh, productivity, which is that you want to, when, you, when you're about to quit working on something, you want to quit when you kind of know what the next thing is that you want to do, like mid-sentence almost. Mid, mid-thought, because if you, if you completely, if you stop right after you've completed a, a stopping point where everything is solved, you don't have anything really going on in your brain about what it is that you want to work on next or what do you want to solve. And so sometimes you sit back down and you're like, I don't even know what to, how to get started. And this was brought up in the context of sort of creative writing, like how do, how do writers, you know, when they experience, you know, writer's block, how do you avoid that? Now, with programming is a little different, but I think it's very similar in the sense like how do you, that kind of programmer's block. So in a like
0: nutshell, you, what is the hack?
1: The hack is, let's say that you're working on some function or some class, and it's like you're really in zone, you totally know what the rest of, of the of the, of the the stuff is that you're working on, right? You can already see the rest of the object. You're going to write some functions there. Just stop right there. That's when you want to stop. Don't, don't spend an extra 15 or 20 minutes um, working on it, because... When you sit down the next time, you immediately know what you want to do, so you can immediately get into the code, hmm. right? You know, we talk about when you put a project down for a while and you come back to it, it's hard to get traction. Like it's hard to figure out where do I get a foothold in and start working on something.
0: Yeah, so, so what do you do instead? You, then you go and move on something that you don't know.
1: Yeah, well, but you already got momentum going by that point, Right. I mean, sometimes the hardest thing about picking up a project or coding and getting in the, you know, sometimes it's called it getting in the zone or getting in the flow or whatever it is, it, wherever you want to ter- uh, describe it, it's mentally finding a place to latch on and pick up some momentum. It's really about momentum. And so, because when you sit down and writing code, you're, you know, before that you're doing something else, right? You're, you're, you know, getting, I don't know, you're, whatever you're doing, you're commuting to your job or you're, um eating breakfast or whatever, and you sit down, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be coding. What, what, am I, what am I even thinking about here, right? But if it's something that you already are sort of mid-stride, it's easier just to finish that up. It's like, oh, I totally know what to just keep doing. And then you're, and then you're like, your mind gets into the programming zone while you are finishing up this uh, easy thing, and you kind of have the momentum going so that you can keep going. From there. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that's interesting.
1: I don't know. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I've, I've read that a couple. Um, have you tried it? I, I, I sometimes do that without even thinking about it. You know how we had talked about structured procrastination and you say, hey, you know, as a, as a productivity hack and you're like, I think it was like five episodes ago and you're like, I totally do that anyway, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Which is
1: that when you're procrastinating about doing something, do something else. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you end up being really productive because this one thing they're procrastinating about will force you to end up working all these all the other things you sort of want to get done, which is lower on the list. So you end up knocking all those out anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I've never done this Hemingway's hack thing, but uh, I do it the other way around. So when I'm frustrated with something, then I move on to something easier.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, that's what I do, too. You want to keep keep moving, right? You don't want to get stuck on something. But uh, I think it was an interesting thing when you – because I think the hardest things about coding is getting into this, the coding
0: zone. Definitely.
1: And so whatever you can do to get into that zone, some people do it. It's like about, you know, they turn on some music or they get their room quiet or they get a cup of coffee and they, whatever it is that you do to kind of get yourself in this little ritual to get your mind going. Um, But that's just one, one um, thing. And I think because, you know, you're talking about what you just mentioned that if you get frustrated with something or you can't solve a problem, you want to something else. Yeah. Because when you, when you kind of hit that block and you're not making progress and you're frustrated, it's easy to just get distracted and start doing other stuff. Surfing the web, returning emails, who knows? Just doing stuff that's not productive at all. Yeah. But um, if this is the kind of same thing in that you want to give yourself, you're kind of giving yourself an edge in that you're immediately being productive. You're, immediately, you're giving yourself an easy win. As soon as you get in there, it's like, oh, I can knock this out of the park without even trying. I already know how to, I, re- I already thought this whole thing through yeah right mm-hmm. and um, anyway I thought that was really cool there was another productivity hack was called I think Seinfeld's productivity or something There was uh, <laughs> nothing popped up in Hacker News and uh, this guy was talking about I guess he was a, a stand up comic at one point and he, would, he had met Seinfeld when, before he was really famous and he was still doing stand up or maybe he was just getting to be famous and he asked him how he you know what his secret was and he said you know if you want to write good jokes if you, wanna, you need to write jokes every single day yeah. every day and he's like and so what he said specifically he's like get a big calendar put it on your wall and every day that you that you write your jokes that you do your your bit your daily you know joke writing make a big red red x on that day and he said what will happen is eventually you have so many x's well you're not going to break the <laughs> you're not going to break the uh the line right yeah and there's a couple of things about that which are interesting i mean um the whole idea, I think it was Linus Pauling and I, I mentioned it, said, this quote, and I think I, I mentioned this in the in another podcast where she said he said if you want to have the way to have a good idea is to have lots of ideas so the way to, ha- to write to write, write really great jokes is to write lots of jokes and they say that with like writing if you want to be a writer, you know you need to write like a you know a million words <laughs> before you get published or something you know if you want to you know and then there's been studies in creativity that if you you assign someone to uh, Come up with a good idea. You you ask them. Come up with twenty good ideas. You know, by tomorrow, I'll come up with twenty good names for something. Don't ask them, don't ask them to come up with one good name because they'll get stuck. But as soon as they get in this habit of just creating a whole bunch, then you you just you have more to choose from. So there's that, and then there's that idea of like the idea of doing something every day, right? Which is that the consistency of just a little bit every day. It's what was it? It's like um anything the inch, inch by inch or something like that. Is that the saying? Not sure,
0: but I know. I mean, I know what you mean, and I think it's very, very good advice. I
1: thought that was a cool,
0: another cool productivity hack, which is,
1: you know, so working on, say, a side project. So for me, working on this side project, I mean, up and aside from the holidays, you know, I keep a pretty consistent working on it most days, and at least on weekdays, for sure. Where you know, Guy owns. We just have a thing where he calls me. You know, it's like eleven or ten thirty or eleven PM his time in Norway, and it's my about one thirty my time. And uh, you know, it's just like I'm expecting the call, right? So I'm I'm working in consulting stuff, I try and schedule get my lunch, eat my lunch before he calls, and then it's like, okay, every day we're just making progress, right? As opposed to just like trying to figure out time to work on something. You know, we maybe we only work forty-five minutes, sometimes I might even a half hour. He'll mm-hmm. call me up, he's like, I'm oh, really? you know, knackered. I don't know if I, am you know, like, oh, it's just, you know, we'll just solve this really easy thing. So I think that's a, so anyway, that's, an, I guess that's enough about the productivity stuff.
0: Um, so what do you think? Do you think that, um, I think we've, we've covered, uh, a decent chunk of time. Yeah. This I think
1: that's good. I think that's good. All right. I guess, uh, that's a wrap. We're out.